Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a keep cup, and I love films. As Albert Einstein once said, any fool can know, the point is to understand. And fuck me, I've watched Inland Empire four times and I still don't have a clue what the scary clown face means. Interesting thoughts from Albert Einstein there. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. If you've never heard the show, check out the back catalogue. I've got previous guests including Jamila Jamil, Ricky Gervais and January Jones. But this week, my special guest is the one and only brilliant stand-up comedian, Mr. Reese James. Get your tickets for Phil's to be buried with live at the BFI on August the 15th. That's a week today, the day this podcast comes out. With the incredible creator, writer and star of Game Face, one of my favourites, it's Roisin Conaty. Tickets are available on the BFI website. They're going pretty fast, so get them while they are still there. It will be a cracker. If you do enjoy this show and you want to support it and get more content, come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. You'll get extra guest questions, you'll get videos, guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of stuff. This week there's a full 20 minutes extra with Reese, where we talk about openings and endings and all the bits in between and it's really good stuff. You don't want to miss it. And remember, best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, not only do you get all the good stuff, you don't have to hear this bit about becoming a Patreon member. You get the whole episode unencumbered by ads and me talking about becoming an effing Patreon member. So give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, here we go. Reese James is an excellent stand-up comedian. He is currently performing his show at the Edinburgh Fringe. It is called Snitch because of his face. And then he is taking that show on tour. You'll know him from Mock the Week, but if you've never seen him live, he's genuinely brilliant. So go and see him. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 56 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an actor, sometimes, a writer, quite often, an incredible stand-up, and maybe, very soon, a podcaster in his own right. Please welcome to the show, the brilliant Reese James! Thank you very much. The word sometimes is doing an enormous amount of heavy lifting in that introduction. After actor, sometimes. sometimes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, very, um, very rarely. What's your name? 
Oh, right, Are you because you just noticed my name badge that I arrived with. <laughs> I just suddenly panicked that I said Reese James. Yeah, that's my name. Yeah, but then I just saw in front of me an email. And it's from said, me to me, and, and it, it says Reese Jones, Jones in it. Yeah, because my name is Reese Jones. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> my name is Reese Jones. Um, people in the acting world often have to change their name, and as you know, I'm a very successful actor. Wow. My name is Reese Jones. Right. But I, ha- I change it to Reese James. You heard Reece, it here first. Reese James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First exclusive. Wow, it feels to be buried with exclusive entirely because I just left an email out. Genuinely panicked <laughs> as I'd introduced you. I was like, I've known you for so long. And I was like, I've, I've been just, calling you Reese Jones. I've been calling you Reece um, Jones. I did do stand up as Reese Jones for a bit. Mm. Very briefly, but uh, I was really bad, so I changed it. It's really worth it. <laughs> That's not why. You're That's not why I changed good. it. I just, uh, I just had to. You wanted a fresh start. It was because of things like no, but very. It's not, it's not Reese Jones. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a different. It's completely different. But I've gone with a quite similar one, so yeah. you still know. You sound still like use the same on credit. The phone. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Itchy. I, and clearly, the emails are still coming from Reese yeah. Jones. I haven't updated it's that. Reese Jones account. That's because it's an email address that I also use for like dealing with a landlord and an estate agent and stuff. So if it comes from yeah, from the, Reece from James, the they're like, who's, who the, who's this? What's going on? Yeah. But some, I can't change it. So sometimes, if I send an email from my phone, yeah. it will say Reese James. And if I send it from my laptop, it will say Reese Jones. And people are constantly saying, who, who is this? Who are you? Yeah. I can know you've made a right mess. Reese James Jones. Actually a better name. Reese James Jones. Reese James Jones. Damn it! Reese James Jones. Oh, I've wasted uh, eight years. You are currently doing very well. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you are on Mock the Week. All the weeks? Not all the weeks. Some weeks I just don't feel deserve to be mocked. Mm. So I, I choose that, not actually. to mock them. That's the only reason I'm not on it every week, because sometimes I choose not to be. Yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes you're like, respect the week. I probably mock about 40% of the weeks that are chosen by the BBC to be mocked. Tell us, what's it like? <laughs> oh, that's too vague a question for me to answer. Uh, OK, well, I, I've never done uh, Mock the Week, and it, I think it used to be scary. It used to look scary. It had yeah. mean people, and people shouting over each other. And now whenever I look at it, it's just all our friends having a nice time. Yeah, it's <laughs> is basically... It is now? Yeah, it's a bit like... It's, it's like being in the pub, but under a lot of pressure. It depends who you're on with, to be honest. Yeah. It depends on the lineup. So sometimes there's not that much chemistry... And then it becomes a lot more jokey. And it's not no one's fault. It's just yeah. you just go like, well, our styles just don't... What they're trying to do quite often is get it so that it's just like, okay, we've got one of that type of comedian right. and one of that type of comedian and, like, got six different styles here. But sometimes what that means is that you don't really get anything rolling. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then it's sort of a bit... It becomes a bit like the old days. Not in that it's scary, just that it's much more jokey. It's much more my turn, your turn. Right do your joke, and we don't really have any banter. But then sometimes you're on with mates. If I'm on with Ed Gamble, it's great. Because yeah. it's just like, it's just so much more riffing. And Ed will pick up on stuff that other people won't. So he'll like, and he'll call you out on jokes that you've said. And he just makes it a lot. It's just such a fun environment yeah, when he's on great. it. Who's your, if you're one of six, how would you define the one type of person that you are? As in, if they're going, we've got six different types of, what's yeah, the yeah. least James Jones? I didn't know this. Yeah. <laughs> What's good about shows like that is it really shows you who you are. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was like in makeup on like the third time I did it, where they were like, um, oh, it's good when you come on because it's like when Frankie was on it because you're really dark. And I was like, am I? Am I really dark? I didn't know that. You're the but dark, man. yeah, so I just apparently I say, 
because I say what to me are normal jokes. Yeah. And then people are sometimes like, Jesus, mate. Wow. And I'm like, oh, right. Oh, just doing a... I think it's because of my face and voice are mm. quite stern and so I've got I've got resting bitch vibe. Right, um, and I think people see it as I'm a bit frowny on a show like that. So I think people think it's a bit more serious than it is when it's right. a bit silly. But I don't, I'm happy to be. But I'm also just like, everyone just takes a piss at me for being a little boy. So I guess I'm the little boy. I'm the, I'm the child. You're the dark little boy. Even though I'm so much older than people, people think I am. You're, but you're little Frankie Boyle. I'm little Frankie Boyle. <laughs> yeah, like little Ant and Deck. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think, I don't know though, but I used to, when I first started, I would sometimes be sat in the weirdo seats. There's one seat for a weirdo and it's right. like normally Milton's there. Okay. It's like a one-liner slash weirdo seat. So it's right. like Milton Jones is there, Stuart Francis was there for a bit. Acaster was there a few times and then I sat there once. And then I was on it with Milton once, and they were like, well, obviously you can't sit there. Yeah, you've got to sit on his lap. And then I'm on the other seat, which is now the little boy seat. I'm in the little boy seat. <laughs> That's great. Were you scared your first one? Are you scared of all of them? A little bit, but not really. I mean, like, it's, it takes so long. Right. And also, from the moment you sit down to the moment you start filming, like, it's not a long time, but there's a few minutes. So if you're nervous, it's just sort of like, all oh, right, well, I've been sat here for a while now. Right. So it's not like you go on and then you've got to... But surely you Open. think, but the first thing I say better work, otherwise this audience ain't gonna. You do think that it's not yeah. true though, okay. but you do think that you do think this. Yeah, if God, if this first joke tanks, they'll never laugh at me again. <laughs> and then you realise this whole thing is so disposable by nature. Yeah, it's all we're mo- we're all moving on from everything. You don't yeah. dwell. The first time I did it, it was like comedians. Some of the older comics who were on it gave me some advice about it and just said like, "Don't worry if stuff doesn't land. This is a." two and a half hour new material gig wow. and it's being broadcast but like you'll be like they're not going to put stuff in that doesn't work right. turns out that's not true because quite often like really? someone else will comment on it afterwards and then it and is in and they don't funny. they don't add the laugh they just leave it and then you just go oh and there's times where they've said it i remember there was once where ed said please don't be funny about my mistake because then this whole thing will be in the edit because he oh, said wow. something wrong and i was like you've articulated the way i felt <laughs> Every time you speak, in particular, Ed, because you always just go, yeah, you say that, Reese, but and I'm just like, shut up, it didn't get, what I just said didn't get an laugh. <laughs> um, but the first time I did it was the day after the Brexit result. So uh, I, I was pretty excited. I mean, like, I was like, this is huge. This is, we'd never talked about this before on this show. We yeah. talked about Brexit, but never with this actual result. It was always like a joke that everyone was mm. going like, oh, yeah, and when we, inverted commas, leave, no one expected it, especially <clears throat> people on that, the bloody... Liberal, liberal left-wing yeah. pathetic BBC pandering yeah. nonsense uh, which I love very much and would love to continue to work for <laughs> huge fans these are the views of ITV um, who I also would relish the opportunity <laughs> to <laughs> but uh, uh, valid yeah 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 exactly but when I did it I remember Rob Beckett I think phoned me and said when you do your first one you'll do in the first section it's filmed in exactly the order that it's broadcast so right. like you do a section of new stuff then there's the stand-up round there's like spin the wheel of topics and then you come yeah. in and talk about it for a bit then you speak about the news again and then you do scenes we'd like to see at the end and he said the first news section you won't do that well because no one will know you right. but then when you do the bit in the middle where you just the get to talk yeah. everyone will get your vibe and see what you're like and then the yeah. second half you'll do great and from then on you do great but because it was the Brexit week the first half everyone annihilated it yeah. so much because it was like the audience was so like oh my god yeah. we just want to hear jokes <laughs> And so everything everyone said about Brexit was like, so felt so brand new. Yeah, and also England had been knocked, the night before the recording, we'd been knocked out of the Euros to Iceland. Oh, 
Fucking hell. So it was like, oh, there was just so much to talk about. And so that first half, yeah. it was just amazing. It went on for ages and everything was just tearing it. And then the second half, it was like just some like, I think it was right. just Labour, um, Corbyn at Glastonbury or something like that, or right. like someone from Labour at Glastonbury. And it was sort of like, it was all right, but it wasn't as special. And then we were sort of like, all oh, right, this is the opposite of what Rob told me. And then I was like, Rob's trying to get in my head. <laughs> Rob doesn't want me on this show anymore. Rob's trying to destroy me. This is typical Rob. That sounds like the Hugh Hefner race that happened after 9-11. <laughs> it's almost exactly like the Hugh Hefner race that happened after 9-11. What, so everyone just did 9-11 you know, jokes? You know that, it was like quite, well, I don't know if it's, it's in the, in the film uh, the, Aristoc- the Aristocrats. Yeah. Uh, that the big, that there was meant to be a Hugh Hefner race like the day after September 11th or the week, that week after in New York. And they were going to cancel it, and then everyone was like, "No, we have to do this. We have to do this." So then yeah, we can't. We don't win. Because then, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we and lose. then they had this roast, and it was funny, and it was great. And then Gilbert Gottfried went on stage and did nine eleven jokes, and people were upset. And then he told the aristocrats joke and saved the night. It's a magical story. Wow! And he he actually told. I've never actually yeah. seen someone tell it in the twenty first century as like an earnest. Telling the joke because surely it's like how could it ever work? I think because almost because it's got so many the release they needed the release, but it. Wasn't. I suppose now I would laugh at it because it's got so many layers of what the fuck are you yeah. doing? <laughs> how yeah. how can you be doing that joke? It's so yeah. many new layers of meta. Yeah. Oh, Reese, terrible news! I forgot to tell you something. Oh fuck. Awful, I haven't, I haven't seen you in ages, and I, I should have said this up front. <laughs> Fuck! Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm such an idiot, Reese. You turned up my door and I didn't tell you this. I'll just have, I'll tell you now. Uh, you've died, you died. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. You're such a talent. <laughs> it's amazing to watch it live. <laughs> this, this just raw <laughs> acting talent pouring yeah. off you. Yeah. Um, I know, I've listened to the show what, before. What? A lot of deaths... A lot of deaths. And, and, and funnily enough, despite someone once tweeted me and said, it really stresses me out when you pretend to have forgotten something because I worry that the guest doesn't know where it's going. And I always think, well, it's a good test of knowing if they've ever listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, people who have listened still get freaked out. It is weird because when, yeah, when I listen and you start doing it and then people are like, what? Mm. What? Tell me. What's happened? It's because you trick them with all this pre-chat yeah. foreplay. Get them comfortable <laughs> and then I say, I forgot to tell you something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how did you die, Reese? I... Uh... I think I will die. Mm-hmm. It will be something that annoys me and pretty much just me and no one else will care about. So it'll be something like saying, just immediately after saying a joke on Mock the Week that doesn't get a laugh and then the clip gets played over and over again and it's like, a, if you die on Mock the Week, so you died, it's news. So you died, you, your joke died and you died of shame. <laughs> no, and then I just like had a heart attack or whatever. I don't think that, it'll be something like that. So it'll be like, so it's like uh, when Tommy Cooper died on stage, but he was getting laughs. But you die on what the week? But I'm tanking. I'm tanking. I just said Literally something. It's like everyone's just like, what? And then I just die. And I was like, oh, my God. And they forget about the joke. And then they're like, obviously, that clip yeah. gets played a lot. And so people go, you know, Reese James, a so-called comedian, died. <laughs> <laughs> They've shown this clip and you're not getting a laugh. Yeah, it'll be that. It'll be nice. like one second before Tottenham score a goal that means we win the league oh. and I miss it. Or it'll be like... Um, trying to prove a point by like i picked up some food from the fridge and said oh this is out of date i'll throw it away and then someone says to me oh you know sub dates don't mean anything yeah. so i go okay and then i'll eat it to prove a point and then i will die from it <laughs> and i'll actually that's too satisfying because i'll be happy to have yeah, died because yeah. then i'm right 
But my dream is to die in my sleep, but shot to death. That's the dream. Who's shooting you? Don't care. I a mistaken identity. Sure, it's a case of mistaken identity. They all thought I was Reese Jones. They thought you were a little, <laughs> little Frankie Boyle. <laughs> they thought I was little Frankie Boyle. Um, that's the dream in my sleep. But I think realistically it'll be... Uh, died of shame on one week. Died having done a joke that doesn't, didn't land in some context. It's yeah. a great death. It's, a great, it's, just, a, it's yeah. just the exact sort of thing that, like... Ed Gamble's about to make fun of you for the joke that didn't work. And no, no, no. In, I'm, as I'm dying, yeah. Ed is riffing on my death and it is annihilated. It's yeah. like people, people are look. laughing so much because his observations are perfect. And they're looking at him... Topper on topper him. on topper. And then they, they look across to you. How's Reese reacted? He's on the floor. He's they dead. think it's now... Are they laughing at you on the floor? No, no. No. Back the to only humour... <laughs> the humour is purely derived from... Ed's. Ed and Dara. Right, making fun Dara of Dara picking it up and riffing on it, and then suddenly we realise, oh, and there's a moment that you realise that I have actually and died. Then Dan Patterson comes out and says, <laughs> sorry, everyone, we're going to take a little break, and then yeah. you just get dragged off the side. Exactly. And then and at the second, child. Yeah, and the second I'm dragged off, they just wheel in Glenn Moore. <laughs> <laughs> and literally no one knows. And Glenn gets all, almost all the spots yeah. that I was going to do, which is probably like one. That's great. And he deserves it. it. No, what and happens is Glenn sits it. down, clears his throat, and says the same joke you said. <laughs> and, it's it's massive <laughs> and it's all because he said it like a silly joke and yeah. mine was too dark. Because you're dark. And friend. it was meant to be silly all along. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it's it. It's a great death. That's how I'll Do you worry about death, Reese? Uh, no, I sort of, I invite death far too often, out loud. Yeah? Oh, I, I say things like, oh, God, I wish I was dead, all the yeah. time. And I do mean it in the right. moments I say it. And I just say... Yeah, you know um, the song, I Just Can't Wait to Be King? Yes. From, from the, the Lion King. King. Yeah. I frequently find myself singing, I just can't wait to be dead. Um, just in, you know, walking yeah. around the house, not really thinking about anything. Yeah. And there's so many times it's just like, even just sometimes just like, oh, I've got a gig later. Fucking hell, I wish I was dead. If yeah. I could just die before that gig, then everything would be great. Or like I'd be on the train mm. to a gig, even if I want to do the gig. Yeah. I'd be like, God, I hope this train crashes and kills just me. <laughs> and that guy with his shoes off, get a grip. But that's it. I'm just like, if there could be some way that, like, yeah. something could come through the window of this train, just hit me and everyone else like is Like a javelin. Yeah. The local javelin <laughs> yeah. team. You know, they were doing, yeah, the train through the Olympic village. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> javelin through the yard. Goes through your seat exactly. and through the seat of the guy taking his shoes off. Yeah. I not, no, I don't think I'm... I probably, obviously, deep down, this is all a response. Me welcoming yeah. death is all a response to, obviously, a deep-rooted fear of death. Right. But... Uh, I haven't investigated that enough to have that on the surface. Well, let's so as far as I am aware, doesn't exist. Death doesn't that, exist. No, the fear of death doesn't oh, exist. Okay. As far as I'm aware. And uh, do you think? Um, do you think there's? Why do you hate life so much? Do I don't hate. I don't think. I don't hate life. I don't hate life that much. It's just like I'm really. I'm. I'm lazy. Yeah. And uh, I don't deal well with like nervousness or general angst mm-hmm. and so i'm just like just fucking oh so, so actually it. it's it's stop the stop the voices it just end just just end all of this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. stop but no but sometimes it's myself. just like oh i can't be asked i've got to be on a train for two and a half hours and it's yeah. really hot no, I, I just i'd rather i literally would rather i just die right now because yeah. then i won't even know about it yeah but uh I, I don't hate life i just can't be asked with a lot of stuff and i just go <laughs> Yeah. It's a pretty teenage reaction, yeah. I think. It's a pretty petulant, it ranty. Face. But it's like, 
That's the that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's on yeah. brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stay consistent in that respect. Well, I'd sit in the Wish I Was Dead seat on Mock the Week. <laughs> <laughs> What's the... Uh, uh, what do you think happens when you die? Oh, hopefully nothing. Yeah? Total empty... Empty vacuum. Yeah. I cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't believe in an afterlife. Never have. But because it's... It's impossible, isn't it? What is? To, for, for a thing called heaven, for it to exist, a thing called heaven. Agrees to exist. Yeah, I know. I know, I've heard the show before, mate. Um, <laughs> actually, I do believe in an afterlife, and it's quite film-reliant. There's, yeah. uh, you go to this... Yeah. <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you have your moment. <laughs> uh, no, I just don't know. Because how can you... How can you... How, how can you? Yeah, but also... How if I was going to believe in it, I would, believe in, I would prefer to believe in reincarnation. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I would much prefer to believe in reincarnation, and there's all sorts of things that you'd go, well, obviously you're going to be that. What would you come... What sparrow, you think? I look like a little sparrow. You're coming back as a be sparrow. Be a little sparrow or a meerkat or something, something wily. That... Is that a step up? Arguably, yes. What, from, from, from me? From Miss James Jones. <laughs> like, as in, have you done good, so you're becoming a sparrow? Oh, I see, right. Uh... Or have you done bad, so you're becoming a meerkat? Like, I think being a meerkat is probably shit, but being a sparrow, you're flying. I'd like yeah, to. but you're not respected. Who's not respected sparrows? You're pretty... <laughs> Give me the numbers. That's a good name for a podcast, actually. Who's not, Who's not respecting sparrows today? <laughs> um, well, no, I think being a sparrow, you're pretty low down in the, excuse the pun, pecking order. Right. Who's uh, a... Oh, yeah? I mean, you're higher than a pigeon, aren't you? He's smaller than a pigeon, but I suppose you're more elegant and beautiful. Yeah, I figure p- pigeons are getting the, the most disrespect. Yeah. Realistically, if it's reincarnation, I'm coming back as a There's rat. something, uh, the way we treat pigeons is like the equivalent of like an easy jet. As in, you know, uh, Diane Morgan used to have a bit about <laughs> easy jet or Ryanair and she'd say they give out scratch cards on, on Ryanair. Yeah. It's so patronising, they may as well just throw some darts at them <laughs> and go, go on, you fucking animals. <laughs> yourself. And I feel we're like that with pigeons. We like chuck crumbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like might as well be crumbs. Fancy birds, we put like castles for them to find and we had food in them and for yeah. pigeons we sort of go here you go yes I suppose a sparrow has a bird house yeah and a bird bath sparrow yeah, house and a bath that's more than I've got now yeah I don't have either I don't have either of those things that's what I mean it's a, you're, it's a real step up yeah it is a step up oh I won't be that then <laughs> um, meerkat it is I'm not going to get karmically rewarded meerkat meerkat probably meerkat yeah we did this in drama at school. We all let's go around and say which animal do you think each of these people is just by like their vibe, and everyone said I was a meerkat. Did they really? Yeah, you've got the meerkat vibe. I think so. Yeah, just like looking looking around like that, popping to, up. Yeah, nosy little prick. <laughs> Long body. <laughs> What's going on over there? Yeah, I want to be involved. Short arms. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, well, that may be the case. <laughs> but between lives. There's a heaven. Great. And it's nice. And you don't have to do gigs. You don't have to really do anything. But people are obsessed with films out there. Do you like films? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, (laughs) And they want to know about your life through film. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film that you remember seeing, Rhys James Jones? Harriet the Spy. No shit. Do you know what I'm talking about, Harriet the Spy? Massive goggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harriet the Spy. Yeah, and I... um... I'm pretty sure it was that. Yeah. So it was that or Richie Rich. 
Richie Rich came out a year earlier, but I only had it on VHS. Whereas Harriet the Spy, I saw in the cinema. Wow. uh, With my grandparents, my nana and grantsha, which means granddad. But I was always told it was a Welsh thing of saying granddad. But I have Googled that and no one seems to know what, what it is. So Grand obviously, chef. I bet that me or my brother couldn't pronounce granddad and he right. became that. I don't know. It's just you and your brother? Yeah. Your fr- How old is your brother? Older than you? Yeah. Three years older than me. Are you close? Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. So very close. So he would hear that and go, pretty close? Yeah. Really close? Yeah, we're really close. Um, and we went <laughs> Does to see, he even like me? We went to see Harry at the Spy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, my Welsh grandparents always called it going to the pictures. Lovely. Very Great. Classic. And then I wrote a... I then got... Uh, big book, exactly like hers. I think I already had it, but then I put a big sticker on it that says private, just like her book, where she would write down all her spy notes. Yeah. She would write down all these notes in that film of, like, basically slagging people off. It was, it was like a roast. She would, like, roast everyone at school, but just to herself. It was like the burn book from Mean Girls. It's like the original right. burn book. Harry, the spy is basically like Sherlock Holmes, right, in a school. Well, she is, like, it's where she's, like, she wants to be a spy and a journalist, and she's right. six. And she's kind of being bullied for it massively. And then she's like, but she's trying to get a, like, to be the editor of the student paper or something. Right. But then she gets caught. I'm trying to remember this. I don't know if this yeah, is yeah. exactly it. And then she writes all this stuff in a big book that says private. And then I had one of them and I wrote a diary in it. But the only diary entry is about watching Harriet the Spy. <laughs> That's very <laughs> there was one. I remember finding it a few years ago and just being like, went to see Harriet the Spy today. She had a book like this. And it's sort of then uh. empty page after empty page. That's the laziness I'm talking about. But there's a bit in it. There's a scene. Yeah. I rewatched it recently. Right. Um, Does it hold up? Well, of course not. But there was a scene in it where she's like getting... They, they, they take her book from her. And I remember this being like a huge moment of panic for me when I was yeah. a kid. And I guess that does still exist. But they take this private book from her where she's slagging everyone off, including her best mates. Yeah. And the bully at school is like reading it out in front of everyone and exposing her. And some of the things that she has written in that book are far, far too dark for a children's film. Really? One of them is, if I was the boy who wears purple socks, I would hang myself. Wow. That is what a <laughs> six-year-old wrote about another six-year-old. And then the next one is like, so-and-so is so poor, why didn't his dad just get a job? <laughs> and it's like, Holy Jesus, shit. this is not, this is yeah. heavy stuff. These aren't roast jokes. No. These are like real roast jokes. This is little Frankie Boyle in action. <laughs> This is why I was so influenced. So this is where you started. <laughs> yeah. You are Harriet the Spy. I'm Harriet the Spy. So you watched Harriet the Spy and you thought, I don't want to make movies, I want to roast people. I want to be I a roast master book. in a private book that no one yeah. ever sees. And the moment you invite me to perform these roasts, I'll say, oh, I wish I was dead. Isn't your biggest... My, one of my biggest fears is that I ever lose one of my material books, stand-up. Mm, no. I have lost them before and had people... I, have, I once, when I was really new... A promoter did a Facebook status saying, I found a notebook of material. There's not much in it, but there's some jokes about S Club 7. Does anyone know who it belongs to? And then, like, loads of people come saying, that's Reese. <laughs> <laughs> and it was mine. And I, had a, I had a bit about um, S Club 7. I had a bit about the origins of band names. I pretended it was some material about S Club 7, but it was a letter to the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a roast of uh, Bradley. Because <laughs> uh, in my, my material book, I do, like, free writing. You know, I do, like, four pages of just writing to see if I can get a joke of it. Stream of consciousness. Yeah, stream of consciousness, yeah. And uh, if someone found I mean... Oh, it's nonsense. But luckily, I think it's not... Psychopathic nonsense. I Dark. think a lot of my stuff isn't really legible. Because right. if I'm doing a stream of consciousness thing, sometimes I do it where I'll do it timed. And I'm like, right. you've got to finish it by this time. It just means that the last couple of minutes, you actually write well. Yeah. And then that is like, I'm writing so fast that you wouldn't even be able to make out what it said. Right. But I do... Well, yeah, it's more like... Um, 
if you found my hard drive, yeah, and not for the normal reasons, it would be all like <laughs> the normal reasons. Not for what? The, not for the normal hard drive. Being worried about your hard drive yeah, reasons yeah, yeah. that um, crooks have. Because you're researching for a book. Because I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> More because of like, no, if you found some of the poems that I wrote when I was younger and hand delivered to people that they were about. And how did that work out for you? Well, I think you'll find out as we continue talking okay, about which right. films affected me the most. Okay. So hang on, just to be clear, where did you see Harriet the Spy? Uh, I don't know what cinema it was, but it was in it would be it would have been in Camberley. Is that where you grew up? Camberley. No, it's where my grandparents lived at the time. Where is Camberley? I want to say I'm so bad at yeah. geography. To the south-ish of London. I I'm thinking it's another sort of Surrey vibe. Not London. Now, I might, that might be fully incorrect. Yeah, and, and that is the thing I care most about being cut, if it's wrong. Where did you, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Harpenden in Hertfordshire. Okay. Quite a posh town. Lovely. I didn't go to um, private school. A lot of people think I did. Mm-hmm. But that's just because I speak Because of your face and voice. <laughs> because of my face voice. And I think my attitude. Yes. I think it's more my attitude. And your confidence. Yeah, but it's not real. <laughs> but I've got a real, I've got a proper private school Confident, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Harriet the Spy, great answer. Harriet Did you the think Spy. I love the cinema? I love this. Yeah, and actually I frequently say, and this is a phrase that winds people in my life up all yeah. the time, I often, I, f- I say phrases over and over again that I find really amusing because of the way people react, and one of them is telling people that I love cinema. <laughs> I find <laughs> my brother and girlfriend get so angry yeah. I'm just like, God, I love cinema. It's just about the most pretentious thing you can say. I love cinema. I love cinema. Not I love going to the cinema. Yeah. I love cinema. And there are also people in my life, the comedian Mark Smith constantly argues that I've never seen a film. So he's just like, no, you don't. You've never. There's so many classics that he's really into films. There's so many classics yeah. that he would list that I'd be like, yeah, I haven't seen it. And he gets really wound up by it. But I do love cinema, so what you love do you do? I just, I'm going to see things like Harry the Spy instead yeah. of um, yeah. Shawshank. I, I mean, that's totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> what is the film that made you cry the most, you soft boy? In terms of quantity of tears... Yeah, do you cry? Are you a crier? You, I can never tell. What do you reckon? You, see, with you, if I'm honest, hands up, it goes one of two ways. Yeah. Either you're crying every night. <laughs> yeah. Or you're a psychopath and you've never cried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I genuinely can't... It's closer to... The, it's way. not... It isn't either of them, but it is closer to the second one. Um, <laughs> that's the vibe I give off. This yeah. is why people think I'm dark, because it's like, God, he went to private school, he never cries, and he says a joke that's meant to be silly, and it's horrible. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I... No, I'm not a big crier. I wish I cried more, genuinely. I, I really wish I cried more. Mm-hmm. And I really love it when I cry, when something makes me cry. I cried... And I cry... If I cry, it is, like, the recent times that that's happened, like, it's been, like, oh, my girlfriend went to bed and then I just, like, went down some sort of rabbit hole of, like, watching stuff. So I recently cried so, like, wept, properly wept at Joel Golby, who's uh, now author and wrote, writes for Vice a lot. Yeah. Wrote this article and this chapter of his book about uh, his parents dying. And it's the most... I cried so much. Yeah. And I, every time I read it, I cry so much. And I read yeah. it all the time. And then I, I read that... And then immediately after, I watched Rob Delaney being interviewed on Russell ha- the yeah. Russell Howard Hour yeah. about his son dying, yeah. and I was like, uh, uh, "All I'm, I'm so dehydrated. Yeah. All the liquid tears has exited my body." 
And that but, is not why I'm worried about my hard drive. And that's not why I'm worried about my hard drive. Yeah, but I, um, the film that made me cry the most, and this is probably equal to crying, the amount I wept on that yeah. is a film called Lion. Oh, and my I, days, yeah. The, 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 um, I cried, I, I wept about six different times right. during that film. Normally when I cry at a film, it's at the end. There's, oh, God, and there's a really sad, oh, there's a really sad bit. Lion, that, that moment happened about six times, and I, I couldn't handle it, and I was alone. I watched it alone. And also, what's amazing Would you have cried if you were with your girlfriend? I think or? so. Okay. I think it, it affected me a lot. You don't in front of others? No, Would I you don't. Would if I was there staring at you? Yeah, but you're quite intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be for a different reason. I think I would cry less, just naturally, yeah. not on purpose. I wouldn't be stopping mm. myself. And I'd be like, God, I wish I was crying a bit more than this. I would be thinking, right. cry more. Brett, really, Brett thinks I'm a psychopath. It really trick people more. into thinking you're a human being if you <laughs> cry right now, Reese. Um, go splash some water in your face. But I, I know I cried more because I was alone. But what's that film? My dad yeah. loves going to. He loves cinema. You see, so he yeah. loves going to when it's like um, they're doing like London Film Festival or whatever, or they're doing like don't they do Sundance stuff in yeah, London yeah. sometimes? And he always he's got like a BFI membership, I think. So he always goes right. to stuff. And then he, him, and my mum went to see Lion, yeah. um, which will be entirely because it's an Australian film, and he grew up in Australia, and he's obsessed with all things Australian. Right. Uh, he's not Australian. Um, I have to keep telling him that when he brags about cricket. Anyway, he went to see that, and then I was at the Soho Theatre that night, and then they came to the Soho Theatre after they'd yeah. seen it, and my dad was essentially still crying. He like wouldn't stop. He couldn't stop talking about like. I just got off stage and he was yeah. like, we saw this film, Lion. It's the most affecting thing I've ever seen in my life. You have to see it. I mean, it's the best thing I've ever... And my mum was like, yeah, I mean, he's lost his mind. Uh, he loved it so much. And then I watched it sort of going like, hey, well, hey, he's yeah, an idiot. He's this won't affect me. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then I watched it and cried so much. And it's even one of those films where, like, you know, at the end of films that are based on a true story where they have a little... The text that says like, and what actually happened is like, yeah. so-and-so went on to do this. And, yeah. and there's a bit in that, bit of text that is an absolutely amazing twist that's just in the text. Right. Where it's like the reveal is the most intense and effective. I like, I just finished crying because it was like the end of the film. It was done. Then this bit of text comes up of like, here's what happened on that night. And I cried all over again just Uh. as much. That's the film that made me cry the most, like... In total. Watching it. Yeah. The film that makes me cry the most often is Lady Bird. Oh, the final it. scene of Lady Bird I can't oh. even talk about without almost crying. Yeah, I just got shivers figured about it. When it changes from her to her mum driving, yeah. I can't hack it. Oh, boy. Can't hack it. I love it. I love it. Lady Bird. And I watch Lady Bird whenever it's on. I'll watch it just so I can get to that last scene and then just be like that yeah. bit where, God, just changing from her to her mum. Yeah. And just being like, the whole film, realising your mum's just a bloke. Now, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> I use that all the time, that yeah. word. It's another one of those yeah. things. It's just a bloke, yeah. right? And I see that as a genderless term for just like, yeah. ju- it's, just a, it's just a person, it's just like you or me. But there isn't a female word that isn't loaded. For bloke. So there's no equivalent that you can say that isn't in uh, some way loaded. Do you know what I mean? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Woman. It doesn't make, if you say just a man, it seems like you're making some sort of yeah, comment yeah. on like, men are bad. Or if you say just a girl, it seems like you're saying, yeah. you can't say just a bird. You shouldn't be okay. saying bird anyway, unless it's about reincarnation. Unless we're talking sparrows. You can't say... There's nothing. That, what, yeah. what could you say? So, just a bloke. You realise, oh, my mum's just a bloke and she's just trying, mm. just like me. Um, <laughs> I know, it does sound weird. Slightly bigger twist. <laughs> yeah. You realise, oh, the mum... Wait, was I watching the right film? 
That bit at the end of Ladybird when it changes and her mum's a bloke. Um, <laughs> when she's fired, leaves that voicemail and just says, yeah, you, uh, when you drove around the, all those corners that you've yeah. seen a thousand times, suddenly with new meaning, and then just, just like her mum also looking around and just going, fuck me, I can't. I can't talk about this. I, it's, the, it's one of my favourite things ever. Uh, what is the film that scared you the most? Do you get scared? Yeah, I hate... I, I don't watch horror films. Really? So I, my answer for this isn't really a horror film because I don't watch them. Go on. Because I don't like it. What I, I don't like the you? I don't like the sensation of jumping and knowing that you're going to jump. As right. well. So the thing that scared me was just uh, the film Room. Yeah. When I watched Room, I basically was hovering above the seat at all times. At no point did I relax in any way. Yeah. And I booked a premium seat. Right, so it was right. a real waste. Yeah. Um, I was just like so tense. And what's amazing about that film is that you know what happens from the trailer. Yeah. They get out in the trailer. Yeah, that's really... So nice. I know it's, this is fine. This yeah. is going to be fine. But I'm still watching it the most panicked. I've just, it, I was so tense. Mm. I, God, it scared me so much. I was just going like... And also it sort of brings back maybe your biggest fear of being a child was like burglars and kidnappers. Really? Like a burglar breaking into your room in the night. Yeah. And then you're just like, as a kid, and like, yeah, being kidnapped... And it wasn't being locked in this room for years. But yeah. Yeah, well, that is the result of kidnapping, really. That's the uh, so happily ever after of it, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, so I watched that. God, it absolutely terrified me. And it's sort of scary after they get out as well. Yeah. They try and, like, adjust. And it's inc- it's just such an amazing story. It's a fucking great film. And I yeah. read the book, and it's one of rare times the film is better than the book. I oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, the film is really good, and he manages... There's something he does in it, as a director, where you go... He makes you, I don't want to sound pretentious, but I think it's true. He makes you see the world for the first time. When they come out and he's rolling yeah, and, he's in the back yeah, of the yeah. and you see this guy. Yes. It's Hush. really like, fucking wow, the yeah. world. My mum read the book and that's why I watched it because she kept waxing lyric about the book and she kept mm. waxing a specific thing that I don't think is in the film, this specific thing, because it would be impossible to film, which is just that he's in the book he sees a bee for the first time. Right. And he keeps trying to grab it and stroke it because it's furry. Yeah. So he's like, oh, it's cute. He doesn't have any concept that, like, no, no, you can't grab a bee because yeah. it will hurt, it will sting you. And she just thought that was the most amazing thing. Yeah. So she was always like, you got to read this. And then obviously the film came out, I was like, I'll just watch the film. But I watched it and then I was like, God, that was amazing. And then I think the next... I think I came out of the cinema yeah. to learn that Brie Larson had won the Oscar for it. Oh, so, like, the Oscars nice. were that night or, like, overnight maybe. And then the next, I woke Best up and she came out of the cinema. And I was like, it's all because of me. Free. Yeah, yeah. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, but I didn't great. touch the seat. <laughs> <laughs> Total waste had a premier one. Um, what is a uh, film that people don't like? Mm. They think it's shit, but you're like, you're all idiots. This film's brilliant. I haven't seen this for years, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Seven Pounds. The Will Smith the Will film. Will Smith film. Seven Pounds. Have you seen it? That is about... Him trying to get seek sort of retribution. He's trying to redeem. The plot is, yeah. he texts while driving yeah. for a second and it results in the death of six people and his wife. Right. It might, maybe his kid as well, I can't remember. Yeah, but, like, there's a big car crash. Yeah. Seven people die. And so then he goes around for the rest of the film trying to find seven people to essentially give all different organs and parts of himself to to keep them alive people who are about to die because their hearts right. are packed in or whatever. 
and he goes around and he spends the film trying to figure out if people deserve it or not, if they're a good person, if they're truly a good person. I think of the people he picks originally, only one of them turns out to be a bad person, so he sacks them off. Right. Like, he finds out. Well, lets them die. He's, yeah, he basically goes like, okay, does this person deserve my kidney or whatever? And then it turns out, no, it's a, he's an absolute nightmare. Right. So he just pops it, pops so he goes over around. and like, opens up his, here you go, here's a kidney. Well, he doesn't, he just plans it. So he right. just writes it in his will, essentially, he says, like, and, like, goes and organises it with a doctor or scientist or something like that. And he just goes around finding people. But, of course, along the way, one of the people, he falls in love with them. Yeah. And then he's like, she's about to die because her heart is right. done. And so he is, uh, there's a bit near the end where he's like, he falls in love with her so much that he goes to her doctor and finds out, like, can I just keep living and, like, sack off all this experiment and then just, yeah. like, be with her? And then he's like, no, she's going to die in, like, ten days. So he, right. like, goes home, kills himself with a jellyfish. <laughs> with a jellyfish? <laughs> jellyfish in the bar. A really poisonous jellyfish. Jellyfish that wraps its, like, tentacles me? around his arm. And then he just, like, Argh! and he just dies. And, uh, yeah, 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 that's true. And then this is the maddest film I've yeah, ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gives his eyes to a blind man, yeah. played by Woody Harrelson. Fuck me. Um, and what's amazing about it? And he gives his heart to that woman. Yeah. He gives all his other stuff to loads of different people. Yeah. And then something at the end, which is like a pretty hammy end scene, where like Woody Harrelson bumps into that woman yeah. that he loves, and then she looks oh. in his eyes and is like, really sees him in his eyes. Yeah. And then she's like. Oh, my God. And then he says, you must be Emily. I think it's Emily. Did he know it? You must be Emily. No, but just from the way she's reacting to his eyes. Because he knows, he knows she likes He knows what the whole thing, he knows the story, I think. So he just goes, you must be Emily, and then it ends. And I left that film. And once again, me and my dad and my mum went to see that yeah. film. And me and my dad were like, I, I think my mum was trying to talk to us after it about, like, oh, what did you think? And we were both just like, can't talk for at least a year because I am so affected by that. I can't yeah. speak out loud. And my mum was like, <laughs> that's, that's fucking shit um, but, like yeah it's like, I get it but it wasn't great and we just like both like Pfft. and I think it's like I mean it's critically panned yeah. big time I mean I think plot hole wise it's probably up there so it's not about a man giving a pound to seven people that... no no it's not just he's not buying big <laughs> issues it's uh, the maddest I, you pitching me that I am so fascinated by it. At some point, some exec yeah. sat in a room and someone pitched him. And then a jellyfish... Well, he obviously... Well, they didn't... Well, obviously, he's going to put kill himself with a jellyfish in the bar. They did try and make it relevant. I can't remember how. Something like... Um, hey, Will, mean, Will, how are you going to kill yourself? Is it, is it going to be pills? No, it will be the... You know, obviously, the jellyfish. Well, right? he didn't want to do anything that would fuck up any of his organs. Right. I think it was that. It was like, well, there's other... There are other Where's ways. he got this jellyfish from? Genuinely, I can't remember. This is probably yeah. wrong. It's something as hammy as, and he happens to be a marine biologist who knows oh, okay. all about this. But it's probably equally as like, um, in the car crash, the tyre went over a jellyfish. So this is an opportunity for right. revenge from a jellyfish. It's like, there's okay. so many things okay. in it where you go, this is all too... So it's all about... It matches up far it. too perfectly. Like, it's important. And it's like, the, the way he finds out about all these people who need these organs is his brother is like a surgeon. Right. And he like hacks into... He, like, waits till he leaves the room, yeah. goes on his computer and looks up, like, all the people who need this stuff, writes their names down and then goes and finds them. And it, it's really weird. But it's, like, I remember it blowing my mind. So even this is the, in the Will Smith films, like, the one he did with Helen Mirren, where she's that? death and uh, other people are, like, love and they're the personification of death and Fucking love. And, yeah. 
He likes doing a, a spiritual one every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this Seven Pounds is actually the sequel to Independence Day. No, not many people know that. Soon as <laughs> Independence from the aliens. Yeah. He gets an alien to kill him by wrapping it around his arm. And then he, that is uh, it's in, fascinating film. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it blew my mind. I was probably about 15. It blew my mind. I've not watched it since and I don't want to. No. Because it, like, Rotten Tomatoes, it'll be like 20%. I love that it exists. I love that that got made. And yeah. it must be because Will Smith really believed in it, and that's wonderful. Good luck to him. And he's good in it. It was in sure the era of... It's the same director's Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, yeah, OK. It was in that era. That's what I mean. There's that. There's it, was after Pursuit Pursuit, it was just after Pursuit of Happiness. And then there's the moody one. And what does he play? Uh, a sad guy. He's sad about something. And probably death of his wife, that sort of thing. And then he makes friends with death. I think he like, like, has to write letters to everyone. It's like seven pounds worth of letters. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, can you Google that? What all that film is? Well, yeah, what it's called. Yeah. Collateral Beauty. When a successful New York advertising executive, Will Smith, suffers a great tragedy, he retreats from life. Mm-hmm. While his concerned friends try desperately to reconnect with him, he seeks answers from the universe by writing letters to love, time and death. There you Fuck go. me. Collateral Beauty. Collateral Beauty is the film he, he... That's the third in his spiritual trilogy of sad men do quite weird things. Fascinating. Yeah, Collateral Beauty. I mean, that's not a good title, is it? Again, there was a meeting about it. Yeah. I reckon that was probably a, what's called a compromise. Yeah. <laughs> Someone wanted to call it, like, Collateral Heart. Letters to Love, Life and Death. Yeah. But it's not. Collateral makes it sound like an action film. And collateral, actually it's about yeah. Beauty. Collateral beauty. Sold. How's it going to die? It's meant to, presumably that's meant to be a um, like juxtaposition, right? Mm. Is this meant to be really clever? Yeah. Well, An oxymoron. Good luck to him. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Now, what's a film that you did used to love, but you mm. have seen recently and you've decided, I don't like this anymore? This is the one I have the most answers for. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. There are quite a few. There's quite a few in the category of just age badly, society has moved on. Yeah. And yeah. those are things like um, Swingers. Yeah. Uh, I watched Swingers for the second time ever on a stag do. And even on a stag do, we were a bit like, Jesus Christ! This, this is, this, a lot of this is not on. The scene where they get a takeaway. And hey, I haven't ve- seen it in a very long time. What? What? Tell me the takeaway scene. The takeaway delivery driver arrives, and they are very racist to him. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely unacceptable. Obviously, the sexism. The whole film is yeah. like a nightmare. 
But uh, it's just such a good performance. A couple of fucking yeah. amazing performances that launched careers, and rightly so. But you just go like, oh, it's a bit uncomfortable watching now. Same with Wedding Crashes was a huge deal for me when I was younger. Right. It was like the comedy film I watched the most probably. And I, I love Wedding Crashes. And there are definitely elements of Wedding Crashes that really hold up, yeah. that are really funny. And that is, again, it's Vince Vaughn again. And it's another amazing performance from Vince Vaughn. And his chemistry with Owen Wilson is amazing. And they never recaptured it in the various attempts at trying to mm. since. But oh, they're so good in it. And just the fact that Vince Vaughn is just constantly eating while he's talking in it is so funny. And I was just like, I wanted to be Vince Vaughn so much. But obviously the whole premise of it is a bit gross. Yeah. They do learn at the end. But it's like, yeah, but you're having a cake and eating it too while talking. <laughs> um but it's so funny, and Will Ferrell in that yeah, film is so, so funny. funny. Yeah, Mom, the meatloaf, fuck me, what a scene. And Manhattan, I went through a real Woody Allen phase mm. of just like, I watched every, from start to finish, of yeah. like in the order that he released oh, them, yeah. I watched all of them. Fucking and it. I loved Manhattan, and now I'm just like, oh, I really wasn't watching it, because that is the creepiest yeah. shit I've ever seen. It's such a shame, because the ending of Manhattan, the last minute is... And the message of Manhattan's amazing. I think about that a lot. That speech. The speech is great. Yeah. And the opening to Manhattan is fucking amazing. I love the opening to Manhattan so much. Yeah. The opening sequence when he's trying to write... It's the most Woody Allen opening of anything yeah. ever where he's trying to write... Oh, no, that's terrible. That's terrible. He, he adored New York and he's doing that. Yeah. And then... Uh, go, no, that's, that's too saccharine. And he's just getting rid of everything. And then it's just like amazing shots of New York. Like mm. you've... Almost like... Like a parody of the film about New York where it's like making New York look amazing. But, yeah. I often uh, reference the end of Manhattan as a thing, but actually you realise, and he is, it's also the same ending, sort of, as City Lights, the Charlie Chaplin film. Have you ever seen that? No. That it's, uh, it's this shot of, at the end of City Lights, he, which, by the way, is really good and not boring and all that, but he, he's the tramp and he's in love with this woman who's blind and lots of funny stuff happens, blah, blah, blah. He does stuff. They do stuff, but she doesn't know he's a tramp. Right. Because she's blind. And at the very end of the film, she has this operation she can see. And there's, it just ends on a shot of his face looking at her, looking at him. And he's nervous that she's not going to love him. Amazing. And it just stays on his face. And he, he's like half smiling, half like, yeah, is yeah, this yeah. going to be okay? So beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a good idea. And that's what Woody Allen, I think, was... Homage Yeah. At that moment at the end with her when she says maybe you should have a little faith. I think that's one of the reasons when I was younger I was able to really love the work of Woody Allen mm. because I had not and largely still have not seen all of the things he is copying. Yeah, And yeah, he yeah. O- openly copying because yeah, he just yeah. says, you know, steal from the best. Yeah. That's how to write. So, like, all of these different people that he references all the time as being his influences, I've just never watched any of their stuff, and I never will. Great. Because it'll ruin all of it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the film that actually sticks out for me as one that, because I love this so much, and it so speaks to who I was at the time that I loved it, is 500 Days of Summer. Uh, Which now, I... And it's not even for me that it's, um, it's aged badly in society. It's just not... It's not a, as good a film as I thought it was. Mm. It, it was such a big deal for me then. And it really speaks to what a fucking lonely guy I was. What a lonely fucking desperate for this invented idea of love in everything at the time. I swear that was more rife then. Maybe yeah. I've just changed. But like 
watching I was watching things like The OC all the time. And Love so I was this. like, I need Summer. I need to have someone like Summer or even like Anna. And then I was like, because suddenly you're just like, oh, right, I'm meant to be Seth. And then you're watching 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. And then it's Summer again. And you go, for yeah. fuck's sake, do I just want to go out with someone called Summer? Yeah. And it was just that era where even if it wasn't Zoe Deschanel playing the character, every character in these films was Zoe Deschanel. Like, yeah. that weird sort of, like, fairy pixie, Manic, like, Manic, um, pixie dream spontaneous, yeah. insanely good posture when riding a bike. <laughs> like, the best posture of anyone yeah. in the world when Zoe Deschanel's riding a bike in a film. Yeah. Uh, and just that, like, come with me, I've, I'm grabbing your hand and I'm running off over there and you're sort of, like, being yeah. dragged, but you love it. And then we're, that bit when they're, like, in Ikea pretending to be a married couple and they're, like, lying on the bed. And just, like, it was just so true of, like... And I don't agree with the idea that these films are chick flicks right. these sorts of films in that era were always just like oh it's a chick flick no these films are for lonely men that's yeah. who they're aimed at and that's who watches them because no woman would ever believe this it's insane this idea of what a woman is and anyone who's ever been in a relationship watches this and goes what are you talking about <laughs> no one in the world is like this and they shouldn't be because this is a hideous way to behave from both of them it's insanely selfish and it's just it's a fucking disgrace and I just watched it. And the ending, when he goes to that job interview, so he, like... Oh, it's yeah. basically... I do think the film is true of heartbreak. Yeah. And the way people respond to heartbreak and loss. It's just not true of love and relationships. And at the end, when he goes to that thing and then he meets a girl and she's like, I've been watching you on that bench the whole time. Like, I, I see you mm. all the time. And he's not seen her. And she goes, maybe you just weren't looking. And then he goes, what's your name? And she says, Autumn. You go, oh, <laughs> fuck off. And at the time, but when I watched it the first time, yeah. I'm like... Oh, my God. That's another season. Well, this is absolutely terrific. Just like summer, you see. <laughs> and not only is that, it's the season after summer. Autumn is, oh, is, that, it's so is unforgivable. It's the sort of thing that if you wrote it, the, mo- the second you wrote it, you would go, I, I'm a genius. I'm the best writer in the world. And then you would come back to it a day later and go, obviously, I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah. Obviously, get rid of that. Away. What was I thinking? And then you go to the execs who are still talking about killing you with jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great idea. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to put the 500 in brackets, yeah? In the title? Because <laughs> if you start a film title with brackets, people will love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I also, yeah, I didn't realise at the time as well that it was based... It's, a, it's basically Annie Hall. I mean, it's like a mm. big remake of Annie Hall, kind of yeah. on purpose, but it's just, it's just a way more Hollywoodified version of... Annie Hall and like that ending being that overdone and overdrawn yeah and just like how it it would have blown my mind when I was the age when I was watching it that they were telling it out of order yeah it would have made me be like oh my god and like the way it like starts at the end it would be like yeah. I've never seen any film so it starts at the end you say interesting um, this is a film is it yeah exactly yeah <laughs> an hour and how long good grief uh, what is the film that means the most to you, not necessarily because the film is any good, but because of the story you associate with seeing it. Maybe a first date, maybe the day you got a job, maybe the day Brie Larson won an Oscar. <laughs> the film. It was the day that I won an Oscar for Brie Larson. That's the one that's <laughs> most important. There's two. I will pick one. Okay. But they are Mulholland Drive. There. There it is. Poster the right there. Right there. Um, means a lot to me because of the experience. Because I Tell watched me. it only about a year and a half. No, two years ago. Mm-hmm. At the Everyman in Hampstead, and it was they were just showing it like one Sunday evening, and I went with my girlfriend, and we had been drinking a lot the night before, We'd been to some party or something. We was really hungover, and it's not a film to watch hungover. It's like a fucking psychological nightmare to watch, <laughs> and a 
quite hard to understand. Yeah. But we went to the Hampstead Everyman, one of those sofas. Yeah. We got like, like too much food, like an absolutely insanely decadent milkshake that's like got biscuits in the top of it. Yeah. You know, one of those, and it's in a jam jar kind of thing. Yeah. And like a pizza. And we were just like on watching my whole drive being like, what the fuck? This is <laughs> nuts. But then like got really into it and it was like, affecting me in a way that the hangover aided to the film because I was just like, oh, my yeah. God, and it's long as well. And then at the end of the film, mm-hmm. this bloke in a, Hawaii, <laughs> in a Hawaiian shirt... So there's only, like, 30 people in the house of every man. Right. This bloke stood up in a Hawaiian shirt when the film ended, turned around to everyone and went, did anyone understand fucking any of that? <laughs> and then a bloke next to him went, uh, it's a David Lynch film, you're not meant to understand it. No. And I was like, oh, it's the best of both worlds. It's dickheads on either side. This is the two extremes. The two extremes of people who watch David Lynch This film. is right here live. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. And then I was just like, this is so perfect. This just represents a divided nation. Yeah. This Hawaiian shirt man and this guy, oh, you know, men understand it. And then we went home and I didn't, I got bits of it. I didn't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I love it so much is it was just a really nice, Day, a really nice experience and the filming and then, then to go home and then we both were just like separately on different laptops me and my girlfriend just like really looking up stuff googling it all these like things these eight hints David yeah. Lynch had given about the film and then like loads of people writing about it and trying to understand it and then just like it was genuinely like just going like oh my god and also yeah. that meant this and they're going oh my god that's incredible I've just read this and it was just like really exciting thing and just to learn and go fuck and it was like my it wasn't my first experience with David Lynch, but it was the first one where I really did what it feels like your men are doing when you yeah. watch a David Lynch film. And it was just a really nice thing. Oh, and so that. I really care about Mulholland Drive as a film. I don't want to watch it again. But yeah. I really care about it as a film and that as an experience. The other one is the, both Kill Bills. Cool. And it's really weird, this, that I think I consider this important. When I was 15, my parents split up for a year and got back together. But during that year... With the way we would hang out with my dad, my dad just like got a flat in a, the mm-hmm. town, and uh, we would always hang out with my dad by going to watch Tottenham play football. Lovely. Um, which we, we did anyway. But we'd, so we'd always see him on like every other Saturday kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then like stay over at his house. And I just remember one night where we were just like, oh, "What should we do?" And he was like, oh, "I've got these two DVDs." And we didn't, he loves Quentin Tarantino, and then we watched both Kill Bills back to back, which is a nice. fucking long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We just like got a takeaway and watched that. Just sat on. Like, it's a, it's a newly separated dad's flat, so just, like, a couple of beanbags <laughs> watching the Kill Bills. And all of us just like, this is fucking amazing. That's and crazy. it was me, my brother, and my dad, and I don't know why, but it just meant a lot at the time. Yeah. It's a weird story, because it's like, um, favourite film I've ever seen is when my parents were split up and we watched a film about murdering. They got back together a year later. <laughs> got back together, yeah. And been together ever since. Yeah, but yeah. he does make my mum wear that Bruce Lee yellow suit a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, but I don't know why. But Mulholland Drive probably more. When they, yeah, can I ask? Yeah, did they say we're taking a break to sort things out, or at the time when they broke up, was it in theory this is going to be forever, and then they got back together a year later? Yeah, it was like no, I think it was like we are separating. Right, and then they missed he's each other. Mo- he's moving out, and then it was a pretty hard. It was a pretty tough yeah. time, and then they were just like, I guess, got bored. Yeah. You know what it's like. You end up going back to your ex. Nothing else on. You get you open. Your dad was T- like, Tinder wasn't around at the time, so I can't live on beanbags. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Like, God, I haven't, I haven't washed my fucking duvet cover for months, <laughs> and I'm not going to. I'm gonna have to go. Home. So were you delighted when they got back together? Did they have a chat with you going, "Oh, don't worry"? I think it would have been one of those things. I might be misremembering this, where they were like, "Is it okay if um, if 
your father comes back and moves back in, and I would have been like, yeah, I mean, yeah. And was it weird for like a week? It wasn't ever tense between them. It was always sort of fine. And like, we had, we still had a Christmas together. And it wasn't really, from my perspective, it wasn't really awkward. Right. The hard bit, it wasn't even really that difficult. I was quite, I would have been like 15, 16. Yeah. It wasn't even really that difficult. It was just that my mum was sad all the time. So I was like with my mum and she was just always sad because that's where I lived. That was the really hard bit. Right. But the other aspect of it, I was like sort of old enough to understand really. And like, it was a bit on the way. Right. And then they got back together and it's been like a billion times better ever since. So that's like, so nice. great, it worked. Yeah. All you got to do is watch Kill Bill 1 and 2 back to back and you're fine. <laughs> what a lovely story. Yeah. Lovely stories. That sounds like you've got a good relationship if you can watch Marathon and Drive and then go home and both Google, Google it. Google it, yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah, I guess it's a tough, like, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't take someone to see Marathon Drive on a first date. Well, it's a real, yeah. It's, it's a real, intense, it's an intense fucking film. I couldn't be with someone that, that couldn't watch David Lynch. Really? Yeah, they'd have to go. Yeah. And it's fair. I mean, Is I, Marathon Drive your favourite David Lynch film? Uh, I mean, it's up there. I'd, I'd go. I mean, I love Lost Highway. Yeah. And I love The Elephant Man. Yeah. And I love Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's so, all good you know. stuff. It's all good. Do we have but, to have a favourite? Yeah, no, you don't have to have a Of course you don't. But it's just the one, you've got, is, the one you've got the poster of. It's the best it's a good poster, poster, isn't it? Yeah. I've got a poster of, um, it was a gift. Yeah. I've got a really great poster of um, Bananas, the Woody Allen film. Oh, right. Up That's... in my office. Yeah, what are you doing recently? Bedroom with a desk in it. And uh, I have to get rid of it. Mm. And we are debating what we can get a poster of to replace it with. That means, and I keep campaigning for a Marvel and Drive one. There's a poster behind you, which is a real example of like, the poster behind you is for the film Wolf. Uh, and I think that poster is a work of art. Yeah. The film is awful. Oh, right. <laughs> it's awful. Right. But I really, I wish that it's the film amazing poster. was that poster. But the film is not that poster. Oh, shit. The film is a very weird... But the, what's good about that is that no one who comes around would have seen it and gone, no. God, you got that? That's shit. Yeah. Everyone's just, just like, oh, right, that's probably, I bet that's probably, and it looks like a real arty Yeah, film. it's not. <laughs> it's is it crap? It's sort of a fascinating film set in, like, uh, Wall Street, and J- Jack Nicholson's, like, a bit of a loser, and then he becomes a werewolf, but it makes him, like, badass in Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street? Sort of. This is the Wolf of Wall Street. Sort of, if, if he was a werewolf. <laughs> the poster on the wall is the Wolf of Wall Street. It's a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is, speaking of sexy... Thank you. What is the sexiest film you've seen? Well, I would argue that potentially objectively the sexiest film is Vicky Cristina Barcelona. <sighs> Lovely choice. I mean... What a sexy film. Jesus Christ. Even the cast alone. That is three absolute stunners having a nice time in a lovely location. Cruz, Johansson, Bardem. (sighs) Fit, all of them. I'd take them all. And like the way, the whole thing, the way there's just like very sexy man is just Mm. like, it's where like pretty much the opening scene is him being like, um, we're going to have a threesome. And it's really sexy and then one of them's really into it and one of them isn't. Mm. And then, one of them becomes irrelevant because Penelope Cruz comes along, who's his ex, and is like an absolute live wire, mm. likes painting naked, and then they all just keep getting it on and like having this rivalry. Fuck me, it's amazing. It's so sexy. Oh, actually, it's just reminded me of the whatever the Woody Allen tennis film is, is really sexy as well, isn't match it? Point. Is it Match Point? Yeah. I always get confused because it came out at the same time as Wimbledon, which is not sexy at all. <laughs> and I'm always like, which one's Woody Allen one? Match, match Point. Point's sexy. Match Point is fucking 
it's intense. It's basically just about them fucking. Oh, yeah. It's got so little it's to do with Scarlett tennis. Johansson. Yes. But, uh, yeah, okay. But, yeah, clearly I fancy Scarlett Johansson. But then yeah, that's the, the... But also, objectively, the sexiest film yeah. is Call Me By Your Name, which I am a heterosexual man, and Call Me By Your Name is one of the sexiest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm wearing a shirt right now, which uh, is a... I fucked a peach in. Which, <laughs> which is a... Um, it's a green Polo Ralph Lauren shirt that was bought for me as a gift off the back of the fact that Army Hammer wears it constantly throughout Call Me By Your Name. Right. Because I kept talking about... This is why. Yeah, yeah. I kept... My mum bought it for me for my birthday, which is weird. But it's because she was tipped off by my girlfriend because we watched Call Me By Your Name together. Yeah. And I kept talking about how... Fuck me, Army Hammer looks so cool and fit in that shirt. Yeah. What I meant was, Army Hammer is hench. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't yeah. saying, therefore I should have the shirt. Yeah. So no, he's hench and on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks brilliant. He's gorgeous. He's like one of the most gorgeous men in the world. Yeah. But the whole film... Wondering if I'd stop well in that slightly. Yeah, different. yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't love the film. Mm-hmm. Sort of the same for Vicky Christina Barcelona. They're both just very sexy, but there's not... I don't think that much more to them. Mm-hmm. Could We Boy Your Name is essentially a two-hour Lacoste advert. It's like a fucking... I mean, the amount of great Lacoste polo shirts that um, Chalamet is wearing in that film, and it's just like... It's even shot exactly like a Lacoste advert. Or like a, like a dupe advert. Um, yeah. Story-wise, I wasn't that into it, but uh, there's, there's some fucking sexy stuff in it. When they're getting it on, I was like, you know what? I think I might be on the old... Uh, this is yeah. really good stuff. And then I just turned out I like Lacoste. <laughs> <laughs> advertising works. Quite into little cartoons of crocodiles in the end. I mean, Mulholland Drive is a sexy It is film. a very sexy film, yeah. But I was far too hungover to get on board with that and I was full of lactose <laughs> from a decadent milkshake. Um, there's a subcategory to this question. Mm. Uh, troubling boners, worrying why dunce. What is a film that aroused you and you thought, maybe it shouldn't have? Well, Nala is fit. Yeah. Nala is fit. Objectively, Nala's fit. Really fit. And what's worse about this is mm. Nala's fit as a kid. Okay, that's, that's right. You've, you've taken... Because Nala's come up a lot, but no one's... No, it's bestiality and paedophilia. No one's spoiled her as a youth. You can't go to jail. It's a cartoon. Okay. She's a beautiful... Cartoon, no, no, no. Yeah, cartoon. Beautiful child liar. Yes, liar. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. Uh, she's fit as an adult. Beautiful as a kid. <laughs> Cut this. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't, I do find this funny, but I can't, uh, I don't really? know if I can, what do you reckon? Funny. I'd say go for keep it. Keep it, yeah, keep it. Those eyes, it's the eyes. It's the eyes, she's got love, yeah, okay. It's like the end of seven pounds, it's just if I just saw the eyes. In fact, if it's I saw like Woody that. Harrelson and he had Nala's eyes, it's I would like that. fuck like him that. there and there. It's like that fucking jellyfish in Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so oh, powerful. God, when that wrapped around his arm. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Just squeezing. That's it, I think that's the... That's the worrying. That's the only Young worrying Nala, okay. No, yeah, okay. Well, Nala either, at any age. Nala at any age. Right. <laughs> oh, Can't Nala. Are you excited about the new uh, CGI Nala then? No, the live action Nala mm. did, wasn't doing it for me because that is a lion. Well, it's not though. It's a no, yeah, but lion. it's men. It looks a lot more like a lion. Mm. Turns out, yeah, I'm not attracted to lions. I'm attracted to cartoons. Cartoon lions. Ch- young. There are loads of fit cartoons, though. Yeah, no, that's true. And then a lot of them are yeah, yeah, that's the whole point. They yeah. made them really fit. Yeah. That's why when they used to have those BuzzFeed articles of like, what if Disney princesses look realistic? You were like, fuck off. Yeah. Re- just leave it. Yeah, It, it is a cartoon, so let's just make them as fit as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Is that a 2019 opinion? Men as well. Oh, agreed. Aladdin is, you know, in lovely Yeah, style. exactly. Um, Gaston. Very unrealistic Gaston. body expectation for a guy. Big lad. Good luck to him. No Clearly legs. works out. Yeah, not leg day. Doesn't do leg day. Doesn't do leg day. Roughly the size of a barge. His own words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is the greatest film, objectively, of all time? The greatest film. I didn't want to say this one because I think it might have come up a few times. Go on. But uh, The Truman Show. I think we yeah. are all so familiar with The Truman Show now as a concept that it doesn't get the credit it should when it's brought up in conversation. I.e., I recently had this conversation with my family, yeah. um, extended family, and just said, oh, what do you think objectively is the best film? Yeah. And when I said Truman Show, everyone basically told me to fuck off. And I was like, no, no, no. That concept... Yeah is too familiar to you now, and then now you think it's you. Yeah. The, the, the way it speaks to the human experience of utter human narcissism that you cannot avoid having, because yeah. you are a person, so therefore, by virtue of being you, every day is about you, yeah. whether you try and make it not, yeah. or otherwise. The, that, that belief, it's just that extension of an idea. It's almost like, it feels like, and this might sound insane to someone who knows a lot about films, it feels like a Woody Allen idea to me. The film, The Truman Show, in that Woody Allen always has, not always, but he has had in films these grand ideas of like, what if you just interpret this literally? Yes. And then turn it into an actual premise for a whole film. And it feels like the sort of thing like a guy thinks he's being watched all the time. Thinks mm-hmm. that like, God, everything's wrong. I've seen that same guy twice. Yeah. Maybe it's just an extra or whatever. And you go, oh, I'll just make a whole film where it literally that is happening. Yeah. Um, to one man. I don't know. To me, it feels like that. That might be insane. I think you're right. It's. I think you're right in that it's... Uh... It's so prescient that we forget that it was it was ahead of its time, and now everything is the Truman Show, so we don't notice the Truman. Well, that's show. another thing, yeah. That you go like, it, well, you are being watched at all times. Yeah. So it's almost like I I, I saw uh, Apollo Eleven, which is the documentary about the moon landing, mm. and it's sort of incredible and all real footage, and one can forget that two thousand and one was made before the moon landing. And yeah. the stuff he did is what space looks like. He was like, and I think that's why people say he faked the moon landing because you go because he did it pre what we knew it would look like. Yeah, and he actually like yeah nailed a lot of it. It's I like if you read 1984 now and you go yeah, well, yeah obviously, and you go no no he wrote this fucking ages mm. ago. Um, this is in this is yeah, a yeah. masterpiece, but. Truman Show, and just like, yeah, so it's not only that we are, there is surveillance everywhere and we are being watched and it's yeah. a much more realistic fear. It's that even, even the concept of like, oh my God, is it me? Is yeah. everything revolving around me? Is everyone secretly watching me? Is such an amazing concept. And the ending, like when he yeah. sails to the wall through a fucking storm. Yeah. And there's a really good episode of Boy Meets World that um, parodies it, that yeah, is it's right. fucking brilliant. And I think I saw that first, which is... Uh, <laughs> what happens in it? Where Eric, you know Boy Meets World? Yeah, yeah. Eric Matthews. Yeah. God, I love Boy Meets World. You love Boy Meets World. You know they've got Girl Meets World now. What? His daughter is now the Girl Meets World. Yeah, Girl Meets World. Better title. Rhymes. Um, Makes much more sense. Should have been a girl originally. Yeah. It, uh, Eric goes insane and becomes the guy who's controlling their lives. It's all of them though. It's like Corey and Topanga and like a few of them, I think. Yeah. And Eric is basically the guy with the headset on wearing the black turtleneck who's being, like, uh, going a bit nuts and controlling everything. And he's, like, doing stuff like, um, 
keeps building brick walls in front of doors so that they open the door to leave and there's a brick wall. <laughs> Great. And he's just there like on a headset and then eventually he speaks to them like God over the mic exactly the same and just says, like, I don't think you understand. I, I own you. I control you. And all that sort of stuff. And it is really good. And then I watched Truman Show and I was like, God, they're really ripping off Boy Meets World here. <laughs> It's like the Simpsons stuff, with all the stuff yeah. references that you see in The Simpsons first, and then you see a film like and go, Kate oh, Fear. yes, yeah. yeah, amazing episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. And a great film, but like, I watched it Which just like... first? Yeah, exactly. He's not singing any show tunes to get out of this. What's going on? <laughs> um, what is the film you most relate to? Two for this, and they're really similar. Okay. Eighth grade and mid-90s. Oh, right. Have you seen either of those films? Two films that came out the same month that are very similar vibes. Now, truthfully, yeah. I am in the very... I was really annoyed that I was in England when they were out in America and I was out in yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, in England. Yeah. I haven't seen either and I want to see them so bad. Well, Eighth Grade is a perfect, is a perfect film. Yeah. And I probably am uh, exhibiting some bias in saying that because I'm a huge Bo Burnham fan. Right. Um, but it's... Fuck me, it's perfect. And Elsie Fisher, it's one of the best performances I've really? seen in my life. It's just so, it's so incredibly well done. And the way I relate to eighth grade is in the battling of shyness when you're that age. She's trying so hard. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't, you wouldn't know she was shy if right. you just, like, knew her at school. Like, she doesn't, it's not the same. She doesn't really have any friends and she's, like, really desperately trying to, like, be like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, and, like, to have a chat, but she doesn't really know what to say. She's like, hey, I like your T-shirt and everyone's kind of ignoring her. And that isn't what happened. Yeah. But the way that she feels is how I felt, even though that wasn't what was happening to me. You felt shy. I felt shy and I felt uh, like I was constantly battling shyness not shy in anymore? so many situations. Yeah, no, I'd still... I'm not shy in the same way. The way... I, it comes across as me being reluctant to do things and meet people and be right. a bit more like um, being stubborn and being a bit more like, God, no, I can't be asked to do that. And really, it's just like... There's a slight underlying like i'm still 12 yeah i'm really shy it was even stuff like my parents having friends around and being like come downstairs yeah. and say hello and me being like no and it's seeming like you're just being a brat when really it's like no i'm shy this is shyness yeah. um and in eighth grade but the way and, and fighting it and trying desperately and like like that's how i got into performing is because i was like went to drama clubs to try and be like i don't want to fucking be like this i'm gonna try and yeah. do the opposite and be the center of attention yeah and uh the way she's battling that and the oh god it's just perfect it's, she's so good in it right. it's amazing and the way that she's like she's really alone when she is alone do you know what I mean she's like when she's just at home and she's like in her room she's really alone right but in her head alone as well and that's yeah. why she's filming these vlogs she's doing these like talking to camera pieces to just try and do anything and I was doing stuff like that constantly creative writing things and like I used to enter short story competitions on the internet against I have no idea who, where you just win, like, book tokens or something. And it was all a con. I swear you have to pay to enter it. <laughs> I just, like, got my yeah. mum's card details or something. I don't know. But it was just doing stuff like that. And I used to film stuff all the time. It was just, like, find ways of just trying to fucking connect. I swear I used to, like, make friends on forums and stuff like that. And that's why I don't want people looking at my hard drive. Uh, but she's just battling shyness in such a way. In mid-90s, I relate to, because he is hanging out with these older kids. So he's mm-hmm. a skateboarder. He's like this little kid who gets into skateboarding and then he like meets these older, really cool kids and he tries to like fit in with them and they're really nice to him and stuff. Like you on but the week. Exactly. And it's exactly what it feels like when I'm in between Dara and Hugh. That's exactly when I'm in that weird OC. 
It's just, I sort of had a lot of mates who were older than me when I was younger, but even when I didn't and they were my age, I was so small. Mm. I was such a small boy that the oh. film just, I was like, oh, I'm this kid. And he's wearing all the brands I wore because it was mid-90s. So he's wearing like World yeah. Industries hoodies and Etnies and stuff like that. And I was like into skateboarding as well when I was younger. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh my God. I wasn't brave. He's so brave in the film and he'll do anything. Right. So he just like, they do like an amazing jump off the top of a building onto something. And he's like, I want to do it and he'll do it. And I was like, such a pussy, and am such a pussy. But I was like, watching that film, going, "Fuck, this is me." So much of what's happening here is me. It's basically the combination of those two films. I'm like that. If it was a little skateboarder hanging out with older boys who's tiny, but was shy as shy as Elsie Fisher, that is exactly what my childhood was. And the fact those films came out at the same time, yeah, weird, mind blowing. You must have thought, "I'm in the fucking trailer show." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is all adding up. what is the... Don't like being negative. Let's do it quick. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Red Dog. Red Dog. Red Dog, mate. It's the worst fucking film in the world. What's Red Dog? Red Dog is a film that my dad made us watch because guess what? It's Australian. Okay. It's about a little Australian dog who, guess what, is red. Yeah. And nothing happens. The whole film is about a red dog mm-hmm. and he's not even called Clifford. It's a fucking disgrace. <laughs> The story, it's a true story yeah. of this dog who's red. Yeah. And then he gets on a bus. And then it, it dies. It's fucking shit, mate. It's so shit. And we watched it. And it's a... Ugh, I felt bad because... I didn't feel bad at the time. I feel bad now. Because my dad... We take the piss out of my dad a lot. Yeah. And there's like there was a period where he was just like relentlessly being mocked and stuff. Because he was saying lame stuff all the time. And one occasion, he said a sentence which is I find so funny... It was always at dinner because we'd all be there. We would just take the piss out of him. Yeah. My mum and me and my brother. And then he at one point went, um, oh, what a surprise. Mock dad because it's food time. We were like, food time? It's called dinner, you fucking maniac. And then obviously mocked him for that for years. Um, but he... and like, Man, so no wonder he left for he a just, year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go have dinner on my own for a bit. Yes, it's going to be a microwave meal on a bin bag, but who gives a shit? Um, he said Time once, for a little solo food time. He once said, uh, he says phrases like this. When we were young, he'd say phrases like, um, so it's like, what time did you go to bed or something on a weekend? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, I'm pretty soon after you. And then I was like, why? And he's like, oh, I thought you might have stayed up late watching DVDs. And I always just found the pluralisation of DVDs so funny. <laughs> DVDs? What are you talking about? Watching DVDs? And it, I just found it so funny. That's the sort of thing he'd say. And, but so that's what I mean. That would be so innocuous yeah. that he'd be like, how are you taking the piss out of me for that? All I did is add an S. That's and sometimes funny. you do watch more than one. Yeah. But we found it so funny. But he made us watch Red Dog and we spent the whole film being like, fuck's sake, this is so shit. And we were like, we've got to stop watching. But then it became a thing was like, we've got to finish it now. Yeah. But it was about, and it's a joke in my, running joke in my whole extended family now is about Red Dog. It's such an Australian film. It's basically, oh, Bonza, that dog's red. And then end credits. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting on the bus. And it sort of, like, has an owner. There's a stat- real statue to this dog in Australia. It's got an owner, and then it, like, keeps visiting this owner's grave, and then it just becomes, like, uh, it's, it's like, like an unmastered dog. Right. So it, but it, like, does occasional good deeds, but not, like, Lassie. Just, like, sometimes it's, like... No gets one gets saved out of well. And then it, um... And then they, they lose it for a bit. Yeah. Huge spoiler, but don't watch it. They lose it for a bit, and then uh, they find it, and it's died on the grave of its previous owner sounds quite moving actually Reese. fucking monster it's hard to it's, I mean like it's clearly a fox 
<laughs> the whole film's about a bomb. I mean, they, the Australians, uh, they don't know great. what they're doing. Uh, what is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? Ocean's Eleven. Interesting. I've watched Ocean's Eleven so many times. Really? Why? <laughs> it's always on. Yeah. And I love it. Okay. I, Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Thirteen, I absolutely love. Ocean's Twelve's not. I really. like Ocean's Twelve. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, and not just to be cool. <laughs> I like yeah. Ocean's Twelve because it's like uh, he's trying something. It's like he's trying to make a sort of French yeah, art right, film, right. and I sort of like that. Which is the one where he says, "You look like Julia Roberts," and it basically ruins all of. Yeah, the then he forever. ruins it. I th- is that the second one? Yeah, maybe. I don't know actually. It, no, I think it might be Ocean's Thirteen, but it was like. It, yeah, that's a bad twist. When they do that, and then it's like, sorry. Yeah. This is a world in which Julia Roberts exists, but George Clooney doesn't. What the fuck yeah. is going on? That's such a good point. She's going, you also look like... Yeah, you, you look like George like Clooney. Clooney. And they all look at the camera and then just do like a freeze frame. Fucking up. Cut to Brad Pitt eating something. You look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're behaving like Vince Vaughn. <laughs> um, I love Ocean's Eleven. I love, I love con movies. Mm-hmm. Love con movies yeah. so much. Ocean's Eleven's great. Blew my mind when I was younger and every time it's on I watch it. It's some amazing central performances. It's got some bad performances in it. A couple of bad accents in it. Yeah. British, well, a very bad British Buster, accent in it. Is that what he's called in it? Yeah. Baxter. Buster. Something like that. Buster. Yeah, yeah. Very bad. And he's not credited. Really? What's his name again? Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. He's, there was this big beef where he wasn't credited in it at all. Right. In the first film and it was some sort of contract dispute and then he, the next, and then he comes back for the next films and right. is credited but like cause and he says resolved. say my name yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> and they go buster yeah yeah exactly <laughs> in what accent would you like that <laughs> the weird Russian one that you're doing when it's meant to be British buster. Um yeah but I love it I love that film I've seen it so many times that's a nice answer what's the uh, film you're in comedy what's the film that made you laugh the most this is all about this question is all about what is the comedy that was out when you were 15, 16 I think Okay. Especially given that you talk to a lot of comedians. It depends yeah. when you start comedy. I started comedy when I was 17. So when I was, about, when I was about 18, laughter yeah. died. So um, the era was old, like a lot of those Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn films, so like yeah. Wedding Crashes, old school, yeah. would blow my mind. I laughed so much at Napoleon Dynamite. I okay. just thought that was like, and, and still I think is such a unique film. It's so weird. Like there was yeah. nothing really like it. Superbad I think is the best example of a teen movie, a high school movie, and is so, so funny. But probably the one that did make me laugh the most is Borat. Probably, because I was, I was 15 or 16. It's fucking funny. And it was really funny. Yeah. It was so funny. It's funnier than um, yeah. Ali G film. It's funnier than Bruno. I love Bruno. I like Bruno as well. Yeah. But Borat was much funnier to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't, more consistently I haven't brilliant. seen Dictator. No. But I imagine Borat's funnier. I think so. Yeah. Borat, I just, we would have found it. We, yeah, we would have, it was the sort of film we would have been talking about and doing impressions of at school constantly. We also did a lot of impressions of Superbad and there's little mini moments in Superbad that are so funny that you wouldn't even notice. Like my, one of my best mates, particularly at school, my best mate called Sam, always used to be obsessed with this one bit of Superbad, which is like not even a joke, where he's just like, um, Jonah Hill is just like at the checkout with Michael Cera just in this, like uh, 7-Eleven. Yeah. And he's literally just like, he's constantly talking. So he's just saying, yeah, no, what we've got to do is da-da-da-da, we've got to get, and then get the out. And then he just goes, he's just holding a drink and just goes, can you get this for me? And that's literally it. And he would just always bring that up. He found that so funny. Great. But Borat, the answer's Borat. Good answer. Reese, James, 
Jones. You've been excellent. I've really enjoyed this and I'm really grateful you came over to do it. Now, when you were on Mock the Week and you told a joke and it died and then you died from the shame of it mm. and Ed Gamble started riffing on what you'd said, everyone was <laughs> clapping, clapping, clapping. They couldn't believe how funny Ed Gamble was. Dara O'Brien starts joining. You collapse to the ground. You're dying of shame. No one's noticed because they're all on Ed and Dara having the best night of their lives. Glenn Moore's noticed he's at the side. So Justin is ready to go. <laughs> he's ready to go. Dan Patterson comes out. Sorry, everyone. It seems Reese James Jones has died. Everyone claps. Thank God that we weren't enjoying him. You get dragged off. Glenn Moore comes on. The show carries on. As they've dragged you backstage, because you're like a meerkat and we didn't realise, because you have the essence of a meerkat, but your arms are much longer than mm. a natural meerkat, which people didn't realise. So we'd made a specific size coffin for you. <laughs> But it's not the right size because yeah. your arms are much bigger than we thought. Yeah. So fucking meerkat. You're not actually a meerkat, is what we discovered. So we stuff you in this box with your massive arms, which you actually had to hack off to fit in. So you had to hack off your really long arms, press them on top of you. The coffin is full. I'm sorry, it's full. There's only room for one DVD to slide in the side with you. Take to the other side. On the other side, it's movie night every night. What are you taking to show a movie night in heaven? You're not going to believe this. Lesbian Vampire Killer's final answer. Uh, no, eighth grade. I'll take eighth grade. It's taking eighth grade. It's lovely. It's a new one. They're excited. A lot of them been up there since it came Exactly. But that's one of the chance. reasons. It's like, no one's taking it. I don't think anyone's taking it. Except me. No. I, I'm no the one only one. one that you're going to chat to. Even if you get Bo Burnham on this, I don't think he's going to be as bold as to say yeah. eighth grade. So I think me, it's down to me to take it. And it deserves to be seen in heaven. So I'm going to take it. That's wonderful. Reese James Jones, I believe you're doing Edinburgh and you're going on tour yeah is there anything else people should be looking out for uh, well you know dream scenario is that all those tour dates get cancelled and I die on the way to them so um, maybe come to it no please do please do come to it your ticket uh, will be refunded yeah if, if I die it dies. It, well actually that's up to that's not up to me then is it um, please come to the tour I might have a podcast in a bit and if oh, I do yeah. it'll be called early work Check it out. It's about different... It's about performers. eighth grade every week. Yeah, it is a bit similar. It's about teenage writing and things that, like, comedians and various different people wrote when they were teenagers having to perform them to me. So check that out if it exists and come to the tour. For God's sakes. London, Edinburgh, or and the, then the tour. All he's the really good, and I say that. He's really good. If you've never seen him, he's really good. <laughs> Worth seeing. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming all this way. And I wish you a happy life. Thank you. So that there was episode 56. Don't forget to get tickets for the live show with Roisin Connery on the 15th from the BFI website. Go to the Patreon for the extra content with Reese James at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. And if you do enjoy the show, please subscribe and give it five stars for the simple reason that apparently it helps our numbers, means more people get to hear it. I can keep making it, you can keep listening to it, we can keep doing this until, you know, the world ends. Also, I tell you what, if you want to do a thing, I look at those reviews, why don't you put five stars and then tell me the film that meant the most to you? That might be nice. Do that on your iTunes. I'll have a look. We might even chat about it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Give it a go. Anyway, thank you so much to Reese James for being so excellent. Go and see Snitch at Edinburgh or on his tour. 
Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week where my special guest is the brilliant character comedian and sitcom creator, the one and only Jamie Dimitriou. Ooh, exciting. Have a lovely week. And in the meantime, please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more. Online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.